Welcome to another episode of the Main Dish Podcast. This is Miley. And Mandy. And we are so excited and full of joy that you're with us this week. Co-hosts and comrades here on the Main Dish Podcast, Miley and I. And we love food, but that's not what this podcast is about. In our episodes on the Main Dish Podcast, we dish about topics that will feed our minds, fuel our body, and inspire our hearts. And we want to thank you for joining us. Here, here to that. Let's dive right into what's new and good this week, Mandy. New and good. Can I just say right off the top, new and good. I've recently heard somebody talking about this new and good type of thing. I don't know if it was another podcast or what it was, but I thought, oh my God, it's so cute because we do that. <laughs> like it was like something they did in their personal life versus like a, hey, how are you? Mm-hmm. You know, it was like mindless check-ins. I think maybe you've talked about this a little bit too or something similar. Yeah. But uh, yeah, anyways, thanks for asking always what's new and good with me, even though you see me like four days a week, sometimes seven. Yeah, but even if I've seen you in the last hour, there's something new and good that's happened. Probably my life is wild at times. Well, it's not just uh, wild not not that I mean, while wild I mean happens busy, in your I mean, life like, it's just how you open yourself up to the possibilities mm-hmm. in life and how you present yourself to the world and how open you are to new experiences and so that's why I say like new and good can happen in less than an hour even if I've seen you an hour or two ago that's just a truth no that like is I said truth. you never know how close you are to something extraordinary I love that <laughs> thank you um new and good this last weekend, I finished another book. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, that I didn't, I don't know how that laugh comes off. I, more so, <laughs> it's adorable. I'm so proud of you that you read another book. I also laugh because I know which book you you finished <laughs> and I know why you read that book. So that last <laughs> week on the show, you were like, oh my God, I love that you're such a reader. I was like, I'm not a reader. <laughs> and now this week I read another book in and, like and three in days. How many, I was going to say, like in how, in how long did it? Yes, three days. <laughs> Less than the Less other than. one. <laughs> and it was just as long. I love it. So and I which read, book was this? Yeah, let's 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 get our <laughs> listeners up to speed about your my reading hobby, habits. your new your new reading hobby, my new bad habit of reading. <laughs> I don't uh, think reading is ever a bad habit. Um. Okay. I mean, I was basically a hermit this weekend because I read this book. It, you say it like it's a bad thing. Being a hermit isn't I a bad know, thing. I actually kind of really liked it. You know, sometimes yeah. I just get in my bubble and I'm like, mm-hmm. no one talk to me. Right, it's um. Offer, it's, it's giving yourself space. Again, yeah. I've been reading up a lot about just self-soothing and taking better care of yourself. Like we throw around this hot word, self-care is to take a day off of work or to go get a facial. No offense, Debbie, Debbie I love your facials. But I'm just saying like, it's not always about like it's not these always about physical things. Like it's yeah. not about pampering. It's like giving yourself time and space from the rest of the world to kind of just be with you, be with your own self and and nurture your own passions your own life your be one with your thoughts mm-hmm. there was a you know a jay shetty had once mentioned a research study that um, it is very hard for the average american to spend uh, more than 15 minutes alone with their thoughts wow and so um you know that that's why i say like being a hermit is not a bad thing so i don't i, I hope you don't take it as me being judgmental oh, i'm no. just saying like Sometimes being a good uh, uh, being, being a good hermit. Apparently, there's a bad hermit. Uh, 
sometimes being a hermit is is a good thing because oh we're crabs dude yeah. we crawl into our shell mm-hmm. and love it there it's so cozy mm-hmm. just my blankie on my couch like i i think i started this book on a thursday night I'm pretty sure I started it like Thursday. I think when we recorded last week, I'd read the prologue. I think I mistakenly said the epilogue. So if you heard me say that, pay no attention because there were two epilogues in the other book that I had finished. And when I started the second one, all I had read was the prologue. Um, But like Thursday night, I actually dove into it, started a chapter or maybe I got like one chapter in and... I think Friday night, I was like, okay, I'll read a couple chapters like in bed late at night. And I was getting tired early. I was like, whatever, I'm just going to sleep. So I started reading some chapters. And then Saturday, I think I read for about six hours. Like I maybe read for an hour and a half or two hours early in the day. And I was doing chores and laundry and like cooking and baking and doing all sorts of stuff. And then I sat down and I read for about four hours. And the reason I know this is because my Fitbit buzzes on my wrist at 10 minutes to every hour to tell me if I haven't hit a minimum of 250 steps in that hour. And it buzzed. (laughs) (laughs) It buzzed every hour. I mean, not that I didn't get up for four hours. Like I got up because I was drinking tons of water and when I was like peeing every hour. But like um, I remember feeling I probably sat for about two hours and didn't move because I like my watch buzz. I was like, oh, it's 650. Okay. And then I was like, I'll just read a little bit more. Oh, it's 750. (laughs) And then I swear to God, I think I finished the book around 10:50. Like I swear I was I I just sat and I was like, "Oh shit, I finished it." <laughs> so, um The Viscount Who Loved Me is the book I read. Mm. It is the second book in the Bridgerton series, which I am uh, apparently obsessed with. It's confirmed official. No judgment, but I wonder if obsessed might be an understatement <laughs> how does it get any more i well today you were talking I'm about a full-on stand costumes and the you know <laughs> and the music and the and i'm like i love that you are so fascinated and so engulfed and just find so much pleasure and joy and 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 just just create you know it's it's just fun so to this see you like this this isn't abnormal for me to really get into media in this way like I always really enjoy movies are like my thing I have a bookcase covered in DVDs like I don't buy DVDs anymore because it's just silly and now they're streaming everywhere but like I love movies and I've recently gotten into screenplay side of things like how they take a book like we talked about this last week but like how they make the decisions and turn things into books and how they do that stuff and um it's always been kind of fascinating for me just the creative process of the whole thing is fascinating like how they choose the and then obviously I started diving into all this behind the scenes stuff so I was just learning about some of the costuming and learning about these sets and like the sets and the beds cost more than you know they're worth more than the actors like they have bodyguards for the furniture and the pieces on set that they're filming with it's because they're like literal from the 1800s and just really fun for me to watch all of the pieces that go into making that thing like it's just so much bigger than the one person you know but often we just celebrate like the actor or the director or something like this but I, I just love diving into all of the things that make things work it gives me a bigger appreciation for it and um, I think talking about it is good because I think it opens maybe some people's eyes and minds to like, I mean, there's also people like the makeup people. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Like there's makeup and costuming and props. The freaking soundtrack. Oh, I yeah. mean, I'm so addicted. I don't want you to get too in depth. I, I want know. you okay. to save this. Love you. Energy. <laughs> and this information. Save it. Save it. We're still going to We're diving this. deep. Yes. At a, in a later time. Okay. So I read The Viscount Who Loved Me. It oh, is yeah. the second book in the Bridgerton series. And it was fascinating. I read most of it in one day. And apparently they're starting to film it now or soon, shortly. Something like this is happening. I'm not going to read book three this weekend. I've promised myself. Um, I think I'm going to hold off till March, which is like in two, two weeks. weeks away. <laughs> um so yeah, I'm going to wait a little bit and then I'll read that book. I'm going to give myself a literal break. Uh, I may or may not be watching Bridgerton for a fourth time through <laughs> just to really get in my fangirl stand mm-hmm. uh, for the for the recording of the, the, the yeah, the, the Stan Bridgerton episode. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm so obsessed with it. It's stupid. Um, but yeah, so I read a lot over the weekend. The last week I've been, I did the last week I did a lot of baking for Valentine's Day. I had some small wedding stuff and some birthdays. I so I'm like remembering what it's like not to get as much sleep and not to work out as much as I want to, mm. like as I had yeah. been. So I'm gonna be really glad when the that slows down again. And uh, yeah, that's probably like the extent of what's new with me. I also haven't had any time to go on any dates or really play around with that at all. You know, I'm not super into the whole online dating thing in general right now. So I don't have any room for anything else. And that's okay. Yeah. What you have in your life is fulfilling. And you know, it's, it's more than enough for what you need to be. Ha- like you're, you're happy. You're Thank content. You. I appreciate so. that. You know what? The Super Bowl happened. Yes, pretty it did. recently mm-hmm. and um it made me miss live sports interesting and spring training is happening around town mm-hmm. i don't know if mm-hmm. i'll go to a game or because i'm kind of busy the next few weeks but um yeah kind of made me miss live sports reminded me that i miss live sports oh, i like i want to go relate. sit at a base. <laughs> sorry like i don't really care about the sports as much mm-hmm. i just want to go sit at a live event again and pay that too much true. for a shitty beer I just like to be in that environment. Yes, the environment, like the, the vibe. The vi- I was just going to say the energy and the vibe and the, yeah. the excitement and the just genuine roar yeah. of people. Last one I went to was a hockey game where you sang. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember that game. That was a fun game. I don't even know what happened during the game. I just remember the energy, people, you know, screaming yeah. and, you know. I think we lost. We did in the uh, in the shootout at the end because yeah. we tied with yes, the Edmonton Oilers yep. and there was a shootout at the end. I like how you said you don't know what happened and then you literally just gave me the fucking breakdown. So <laughs> okay. I have no I idea what happened, I but it, it just came out of tied. It was the Edmonton Oilers. <laughs> if anybody knows about the Edmonton Oilers, they were formed in 19. <laughs> She's like, they're a Canadian I team. I wasn't even aware. <laughs> Expansion League. <laughs> love you what's uh what's new with you well uh the uh the lunar new year oh yeah is here and uh, it just happened right it just happened a couple days ago Mm -hmm. uh friday february 12th was lunar new year is this like a yellow thing is there something about yellow yellow and red yellow and red Mm -hmm. yes and what happens during new year's is there, there are a lot of different traditions but one of the traditions uh is giving out red envelopes and usually red envelopes are given from um like usually older elders to children or like older sibling to younger sibling uh but today i have a 
red envelope for you, Mandy. <gasps> for me? Not because you're my big sister or my little <laughs> sister or same age sister. You're my elder. Or an elder <laughs> or anything from, from an Asian to a non-Asian. <laughs> um, this red envelope comes with a wish, many wishes for the new year that will come with good health, lots of love, lots of success and prosperity, um, and joy. Thank you. Oh my God. It's so pretty. It is. It's, sorry. It's a little smushed from my pocket. I I've saw been, you pulling it out of your pocket. I was yeah, like, what's she got? It's a, little, it's a little smushed. <laughs> now, usually what happens is when it's an elder two children, this is like, uh, you usually, it's, it's a money envelope. Can so you, you tell money. me what these words oh, on yes, the outside are? Oh yes, I can. So that, those words are actually in, it's Vietnamese yes. and it says, Chúc mừng năm mới, which means happy new year in Vietnamese. Say it again. Chúc mừng năm mới. Chúc mừng. Nope. <laughs> yeah, you, got, you almost got it. Chúc mừng năm mới. Now, my accent, if we have any Vietnamese listeners, they'll recognize that I have what's called uh, the country twang of Vietnam. Oh. So if you were to compare it, I would have the country twang of Vietnam. So, so not everyone in Vietnam or speaks Vietnamese can recognize or understand my accent because it's such a deep accent. Oh. Uh, usually northerners have a much higher uh frequency in their voice so uh, i have a question about that can you speak vietnamese in without the without the southern drawl so to speak i i can't okay uh but because you know you like to imitate the people from the south right. i don't know Georgia. I, I can't uh imitate the people from georgia so since you can do english Arkansas. with a southern drawl i wasn't yeah, sure I if you could also speak no. in vietnamese with a southern drawl <laughs> no but you're good <laughs> uh no you, but darling. uh people who are very fluent in vietnamese can switch between the two accents wow. easily i i can't sometimes i can without knowing because i'm not using the right tones and so it's by accident that i'm not if you're speaking with somebody who speaks in the other accent i can't switch. does it happen for you no but okay. for many people like when my mom's speaking to somebody she'll switch accents to match and mirror their is accent. it hard for you to understand when somebody speaks in the other accent no for no. me i understand okay any accent in vietnamese okay. but it's the other way around that you know people who are, don't have the country twang can't understand they're me like what is this yeah, they're like what Vietnamese are you really talking saying? about. Yeah, you're not speaking Vietnamese, <laughs> or it's so deep compared to uh, what they're used to. That yeah, this is okay, like I hope people listening know I'm not disparaging. But you have you ever heard um, Hawaiians speak in? It's like called pidgin or something. Mm. Like they have a very deep dialect and sort of their own almost almost their own language, but mm -hmm. it's like a real deep. Oh, yeah, it's I almost know, like listening recall. to people from Ireland speak, okay. where you're like, "What word did you just say?" <laughs> yeah, where it's like an like, English word. Yeah, you're like, you're like huh? "I'm sure it's an English word, but I think you're missing a couple vowels <laughs> or those three words mushed into one." Yeah. Yes. yeah. No. So that's uh, yeah. interesting. I did not know there was a different dialect. Yeah. So thank and usually you. what happens is you get money in the envelope. Uh, but as you get older, when it's friends giving it to friends, uh, for some reason, and I meant to look this up before we <laughs> podcasted tonight, uh, but what happens is when it's like friend to friend, you usually, <laughs> you, you, we, you usually give them um, like a $2 bill. Oh, but I don't have a $2 bill. So you have two $1 bills. <laughs> 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 Thank 
thank you for telling me what's inside. Sorry. I should have asked you, do you want to open your red envelope and then explain? Sorry. How are you with Christmas gifts? I just don't even wrap them. This, we're going to come back to this envelope, but my sister and a guy she was dating, she's still, she's still with him. He gave her a gift one time when they were like really early on dating. Like my sister was like, oh, I didn't know we were at the gift stage. It was kind of like her surprise. And he handed her this little like jewelry box and she was like, oh, what's this? Like, you know, that's a rhetorical question. Like, oh my gosh, what's this? Like, oh, like I didn't know. <laughs> he goes, earrings. <laughs> Aww. I swear to God, this is the funniest fucking story <laughs> Oh, That's adorable. And I was like, I'll never forget. It was like 15 years that's ago. Adorable. I'll never forget. It's not even my I love story. It. I'll I love never it. forget it. It was so damn funny. But that sounds exactly like what I do very <laughs> i'm not even aware that i do it oh what do you got there it's pizza <laughs> it's I a just gift get so excited <laughs> i love it listeners this is a really pretty envelope i'm not going to open it because i want to take a picture of it and share it with our peoples on oh, our instagram it's just a little flip oh it is mm-hmm. oh okay i thought it, i thought i would have to destroy it to open no. it and it's already in a fragile state so <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's Look. just Two one dollar bills, but it it, for some reason must symbolize some kind of goodwill. And I've been given a two dollar bill before by a former student, Joe Moon. Right, exactly. Yeah. So there's something about it because when I receive red envelopes from friends during the New Year's, now that I'm an uh, a young adult, older adult, um, Hmm. we usually give each other two dollar bills, and I just know that it's lucky. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah, two dollar bills are supposed to be lucky, right? But since I I still have dollars in my wallet, exactly. So you keep them, but I don't. I don't have a $2 bill, so it's okay. I don't think anything less of you. Thanks for the two bucks. You're welcome. <laughs> Happy New Year. Chúc mừng năm mới. Chúc mừng năm mới. Oh, very good. Uh, I'm so close. proud of you. I that was that so good. Word. No, that's okay. Chúc mừng. Chúc mừng. Yeah. Năm. Năm. Mới. 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 There you go. Chúc mừng năm mới. That's okay. <laughs> Listener, listeners, You're stay tuned. Great. Thank you. Um, because there is an episode coming up soon where Miley pronounces a word and it is. Uh. <laughs> stay tuned. We're not spoiling it. Yes. Um, thank you for my red envelope. I love it. Uh-huh. I've never You're gotten welcome. a red envelope before. Yay. This is so cool. So um, there was something I wanted to ask about this new year. Who celebrates the Lunar New Year? Uh that's what it is, right? I, yes, it okay. is. And I don't know a comprehensive list of the cultures or countries, but China, is it Vietnam. all Asian? No, because no. like um, India has their own New Year's. Thailand has their own. The Thai culture has their own New Year's, I believe. Um, I think Japanese have their own New Year's as well. So okay. it, it's just which cultures celebrate and follow the lunar calendar. Oh, okay. Uh, so it's, it's funny. not tied to a religion. I either. was who was I where I, I was having lunch with well, I was having lunch in the break room and someone had mentioned that uh, Helen, she had mentioned she was like, hey, the, the Chinese New Year is coming up. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's Friday I or whatever. You like a week and ago. then she goes, I was like, yeah, we follow the lunar calendar, or the, the moon calendar. And then she goes, oh, yes, my culture follows the sun calendar. And I was so fascinated by that. I was like, what? There's a sun calendar and people follow their sun calendar. So I'm going to look into that, too. But anyways, happy new year to everyone. And we hope, uh, you know, from everyone here, the two of us, everyone here at the Main <laughs> Dish podcast, we hope that you have uh, a, a, a year, a new year full of prosperity and good health 
very, very good health, um, mm-hmm. success in all of the goals that you set for yourself and all of the, the, the dreams and aspirations that you have and, uh, and hope that this year also comes with a lot of joy and happiness. I, I love that. I wish uh, clarity and peace in addition to all of yes. those lovely things. Well, let's uh, dive into our episode today on beauty, beauty standards, beauty, all things beauty. Yeah. Not how to be beautiful. No, but what it means, the word and yeah. how people interpret it and how we exhibit it and how it's impacted us in our not just daily lives, but in our cultures and over time, yeah. over generations as well. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You say a lot of really interesting things, I think, in this episode. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. That means a lot. Anyway, so do you. <laughs> Let me return that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I wasn't fishing. I, <laughs> I know. Just like, I, know. I think um, it's interesting because we've touched on little things before mm-hmm. about like our moms and like um, just the way they were raised and the things that they were told and then the, the things that passed on to us when they were raising us and like... I mean, I had, I don't think I said this in the episode, but there were definitely times as a teenager, like I went through as the teenager in the late nineties. So it was like baggy clothes were the thing. Mm, mm -hmm. And and my mom would say things to me like, you know, you, you'd look smaller if you didn't wear such baggy clothes. Mind you, I was like 120 pounds in high school, (laughs) like (laughs) a rail at five, nine, like a stick. And like, I look, it's funny because like, I remember thinking like, gosh, maybe I'm bigger than I maybe I'm big am I big um and I look back at pictures I'm like oh my god it was a stick but like comments like that that we we receive can Mm -hmm. impact us on a not just a conscious level but maybe even a subconscious level that you carry on with you and you don't you don't don't recognize the truth sometimes Mm -hmm. it's hard to see it in the in that moment so it's like looking back it's like wow I remember hearing things and and I mean I, I don't think she meant to no harm me emotionally right. um or put burdens on me that i would carry with me yeah many moons no. later <laughs> <laughs> uh but i i think it's a great episode and i had a lot of fun uh recording with you so uh without further ado we hope you enjoy this week's episode enjoy okay so this week we are talking about the topic of beauty and the standards of beauty and defining it and undefining it. and undefining it and uh, maybe kind of tackling some of the hard questions about like what it is and how it takes up space in our brain and how it affects how we make decisions and how we live our lives where do our ideas of beauty come from how are they influenced how are they shaped all of those things where should we begin Man, I feel like there's a lot of places we can begin. I know. There's so many. I was thinking about this earlier when we were talking about like doing this for this episode. And I really wasn't sure. I mean, I think from my earliest years, I would have to say they come from my mother. Mine definitely come from my mother and my culture, my Vietnamese culture. Okay. See, I don't have a lot of beauty beauty influenced from culture from a young age. Like there really wasn't any of that. My mom, you know, my my mom's side of the family is Native American. My dad's side of the family is just white. And um, when I was young and they were still together and I spent time, I spent more time with my paternal grandmother, who's 
background is white. I actually don't even know her like genetic makeup. I can only guess from my 23andMe which parts belong to her side. Um, but uh, she always said things to me like, pretty is as pretty does. That was a saying she said to me all of the time. Mind you, my early, I'm talking like ages, you know, zero through nine. It was like, pretty is as pretty does. Because maybe I would say something like, maybe my hair would be different or maybe I would have had bangs or something. Like I went through hairstyles as a little kid. It was like when my mom went to work, she cut our hair really short so that we could kind of do it on our own as kids. And um, and I remember, I, I don't remember what instigated her to say it, but she would say things like, pretty is as pretty does. Like, and how would that make you feel or like think? your behavior shapes how pretty you are. I appreciate that now. As a little kid, I was just yeah. kind of like, whatever, grandma, that okay. makes no sense. Like, but then at the same time, at the same time, they would tell me not to tuck my hair behind my ears because it would make my ears stick out. Yeah, my I heard that, too. <laughs> I heard. So a lot of my behavior and I would say how I think about beauty now, mm-hmm. I can trace it back and see how it was shaped by the comments mm-hmm. that were made by my mom and my aunt and how it has probably affected my like we've talked about confidence before we've talked about self-worth before and all of it kind of relates back to comments from my mom and my aunt um and not that they intentionally wanted to scar me or anything Mm -hmm. but you know they were going off of their ideals and what they were taught from you know, their parents, you know, so a lot of this defining beauty is generational trauma or generational lessons that have been carried on. And not that they meant to scar you, right? but they certainly didn't want to build you up. (laughs) Well, (laughs) at least if it was anything like the women in my family. Well, you know, it's funny because even the other day you had mentioned, well, we were talking about my haircut, right? And I was talking about how, (laughs) uh, you know, oh, this morning my mom finally found out or recognized or realized, but this morning my mom realized that I had cut my hair and it's been two weeks and she was telling me how ugly my hair was and how it's not ladylike. Yeah. And I was like, I know your mom speaks Vietnamese to you. And I was like, wait, is this the literal word? Literally. Like, is that what she actually says to you? That's how it literally translates. Why would you cut your hair so ugly? exactly or next or why time would you cut it so short Rep. yeah exactly she's like next time i should come with you to make sure that you don't cut it off so short <laughs> okay listeners miley's hair goes past her bra strap like the back of her hair falls past her bra strap it is not short it is just <laughs> not past her butt anymore right and it was before and the thing is again my my culture my mom comes from this village in vietnam where does your mom up- have short hair she does right now, but growing up, <laughs> growing up, she was considered the most beautiful girl in the village because she oh. had the longest hair and it was the darkest hair. And she had like the, the features of what beauty was defined, like how beauty was defined back then. And so okay. in her mind, beauty is long black hair and pale ivory skin <sighs> and a thin body, you know, and so... Growing up, I heard all of these things like if I wore my hair a certain way, I'd be I'd hear things like, wow, you look beautiful, just like your mom. And then it would reinforce my thinking and saying, I want to be beautiful. I want to be like my mom. So I should wear my hair like this or I should act like this or I should say things like this because it's you know, I'm I'm hearing that this is beautiful and I'm hearing that Mm -hmm. this is like my mom. And I want to be like 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 every little girl, you know, they want to be like their mom. And, And so it's like 
I definitely like wore blue eyeshadow. Because your mom wore blue eyeshadow? Yeah. It was like the early 90s. <laughs> <laughs> I was like 11. I mean, I had no business wearing makeup. <laughs> but I'd be like, woo, time to play in the makeup. Look at me. I look amazing. You know, looking like my mom. So it's really funny. In but Vietnamese, people never told me, like, you look beautiful oh, like your mom. I see. There's, uh, yeah. I think it was just like an emulating, like imitating and, you know, just that's your that's your little guy like that's what you have to look up to as a little girl of a, a single parent like your mother's your only parent that's what you have to look up to and that's what you're like this is what i'm supposed to do she's doing it yeah and i think a lot of the things that our mothers do it really is our lens yeah right like my mom For a long time yeah. doesn't have to be forever my mom didn't wear a lot of makeup. So growing up, I didn't really know how to wear makeup. In Vietnamese culture, you don't really, right now, mm-hmm. I don't know what it is like right now in Vietnam, but growing up, like um, shaving your legs was not something. Oh. And so I didn't, like, I remember a memory from eighth grade when somebody, like, somebody came up to me and they're like, hey, Miley, do you shave your legs? And I'm like, no, because like no one taught me to. No one told like, me why I would I do that? To. Like, why would I do that? My mom didn't know anything about it. So she didn't talk to me about it. And it's not like I, you know, so it's like a lot of the things that we're taught are are from people that, you know, may or may not know what the norms are. And that's why like some of the, you know, some of the definitions we have for beauty is, is different and it's yeah. shaped differently. So eighth grade, you're like 13. Yeah. How fuzzy were your legs? They're pretty fuzzy. And also it, in, in Vietnamese culture, like my mom growing up again, she lived, she grew up in a village. So it's, it's not like you have the luxury of deodorant either. Right. So in the same sentence, when somebody was asking me about my fuzzy legs, they also asked me about deodorant. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't, I've never heard of So like I was the smelly hairy kid. Oh my God. <laughs> and, <Stop>. and, <laughs> and like, that's why that memory is so ingrained in me because that was a moment when I realized that I was a smelly, hairy kid and I didn't know how I mean, you to could be. not have been that smelly at 13. As I a don't girl. know, but I'm just saying like, I didn't know about Bullies? deodorant. I didn't know the about they're like nine. Oh, they're smelly. I was, I was bullied about smelly? a lot of things. Yeah. Wait. So did you not have white friends? I mean, you were here, you were in Arizona. I had white friends, but not friends that like I hung out again. My mom was from this a was Vietnamese like school, school like friends and you went home school and friends and home. I went home and okay. like again Vietnamese culture very overprotective very no tiger sleepovers mom at your friend's no house. sleepovers okay. nothing like that wow. and so like my friends the exposure to who I had my friends was like during recess or during class and it's not like I talk about those things like deodorant and shaving legs yeah you know uh so and yeah that and was like even an after if after school and even if I like watched thing. commercials because I saw commercials I knew what deodorant was but I didn't yeah. know that I was supposed to start wearing it or it was for age. you yeah. right and so and and if I even knew I wouldn't even know how to ask my mom because my mom didn't know how to use deodorant and she doesn't know how to shave her legs so who do I ask that's amazing I mean growing up at a single parent household yeah and you're not taught to like go outside of your house for that type of advice, no. right? So some kid mentioning it to you like yeah. at recess or at school or whatever it was, yeah. you're like, I don't know. Yeah. So then like, again, is that, that when you went home and shaved your legs? Tell me the story. Like, how did you get to shave your legs? Uh, I, it wasn't, it wasn't until high school when I had money and I went and bought my own like 
Razors. Uh, razors. And then I remember watching commercials and waiting for the commercials about shaving to learn how to <laughs> shave. And then when I like the first time I did it, like on the shaving commercials, they would they would do like a the one foam. long streak up the 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 leg. Right. Please tell me you did not shave off an entire bit of skin. I did because you oh. went from the like I watched the commercials and it would go from the bottom all the way up. And I didn't know that you had to do it in sections. Otherwise, the razor gets like clogged up and it doesn't cut anymore or you cut yourself and so like i would try be do i would try to do what the commercials would show <laughs> and it just would not shave did you cut yourself multiple times oh, a wow. big one right here along this bone yeah like i never did that but i know a lot of people who did i definitely had like a couple of nicks around my ankles when i was a kid oh i, I got a lot of nicks shave. underneath like behind the knee Oh, a lot too. Yeah, I probably did and that a couple along times. Along the knee too, because I didn't know that you're supposed to like bend it a little and do it in sections. I yeah. would keep my knee straight and shave, and then I'd cut my knee. Oh. Anyways, but anyways, I'm Poor just little saying, Harry Miley, no. <laughs> Harry and Smelly. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget that part. Harry but that you know that like it it <laughs> kind of duo. It, it's a new <laughs> superhero duo, Harry and Smelly. <laughs> I mean, it kind of. I mean, like I I feel like I have a an okay level of confidence and self esteem now. I just, but I feel obligated to tell everyone <laughs> she is not Harry nor Smelly right now. <laughs> like. <laughs> I know we talk about her being single, but she's not. <laughs> uh, she's Probably not the reason why I'm single. <laughs> no. That would be hilarious in your dating profile. <laughs> As a kid, I was the hairy smelly. <laughs> oh, oh, man, yeah. we digress. Okay, anyways, but I'm just saying like it. It things like that yeah. it's like a snowball effect because yeah. it did affect the way i thought about myself yeah. and it may have contributed i mean like oh, i i can cycle i can sit here all day and psychoanalyze myself but it contributed to a lot of me not thinking that i was beautiful because i was picked on by kids okay were you picked on for your looks or just like these little western hygiene beauty like those are like hygiene things hygiene yeah that was later on too like I mean, when i was a little stuff. kid i was teased for my eyes being chinese and like kids would circle me and like stretch out their eyes <gasps> and run around me and go chinese 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 girl and you're like dumb bitch i'm vietnamese <laughs> you stupid little like, white what bitch? i'm chinese <laughs> <laughs> no but you know bullying is a big you issue in, where were you where phoenix we should talk about bullying in an west episode. side west side Okay. Mm -mm. Ugh, the West Side. I still have problems with the West Side to this day. No offense <laughs> if you choose to live there. I just don't get it. <laughs> oh, my, oh my goodness. <laughs> this is like, it's What's, like people who live in Manhattan are sort of like oh, Jersey. Like, oh. I feel this way about okay. the West Side. Like, I just don't understand why people choose to live there. But anyways. We digress again. To each their own. That's okay. Um, a lot of hygiene things cross over into beauty, mm -hmm. too. So, like, that's kind of interesting that, like, shaving your legs and um deodorant because there's also like you know hygiene things we do to like wash our hair or style our hair that crosses over into beauty and like i don't know i guess a lot of that is influenced in our home and how we're raised and how we grow up and what we see and what's normal and what it's interesting that that was just not something on your mom's radar, radar. no her radar was like what what she knew right long black hair mm-hmm and how to be a lady, speak like a lady, be soft and gentle and be feminine and be obedient. At the same time, she's like, why is your hair so ugly? Exactly. That's so great. There's such a thing there. But, you know, we 
there, you know, we, why don't we talk a little bit about colonizing? Yes. Didn't you? Because there's okay. some other things that I want to mention about that. Yes. That's related to some of the, my childhood traumas with beauty right. too. But can you talk a little bit about colonizing, decolonizing and what it means right. in the so, realm of beauty? Colonizing like in, uh, maybe it's this country. It's kind of prevalent because, you know, the white settlers landed here and there were native people here. But like now, then we brought, you know, African and black people to these lands and just people of all different skin colors and body types and hairs and shapes and sizes and all these things. And, but the Western ideals of beauty have always been very white. And so like native Americans wearing their war paint and um, hair and headdresses and these things were very foreign and just, yeah, Euro white ideas of beauty are very, uh, are what has been like a beauty quote standard for a long time. And black women uh, straightening their hair, you know, not wearing it natural. And I even blow, I blow dry my hair every time I wash it because it's wavy and it's kinky and it's just, it's like, funky and I just don't like the way it dries so I blow dry my hair but you blow dry it for comfort and you blow dry it for functionality like to get it dry faster I don't care how fast it dries I care what it looks like when it's dry and in my opinion it's unmanageable and unruly and it's not the a look I enjoy when it air dries like 98% of the time Got it. I don't know how to style it in its wavy form because that was never a thing for me. So I blow dry my hair because I think it looks better, purely aesthetics, when it's blow dried. And sometimes I wear it super straight and sometimes I put waves in it. But which is funny that I straighten it to put waves back in it. But so it's funny because when we were reading up about this, they whole the, you know, the couple articles I'd mentioned, the purpose of blow dry, drying, mm-hmm. the purpose of blow drying for me. I only blow dry my hair when I need it dried faster. That's why I ask, like, why do you blow dry? Like, I don't blow dry for my hair to be wavy or straight or anything because I know that you can have certain, you can blow dry with certain brushes to get your hair a certain wave or whatnot. Mm -hmm. I purposely only blow dry when I need to get my hair dry faster. Oh, I won't blow dry my hair if I don't have a big round brush. Oh, wow. Okay. Like, if I've gone on vacation and forgotten my brush and I have to wash my hair, I'm like fuck <laughs> like, <laughs> this is gonna be a wreck <laughs> so no when we start traveling for, for our dry. tours i should always make sure that you have your blow drying brush yeah like it i will bring i bring my round brush and my straightener because i can straighten or put waves in it with that and i don't pack a hair dryer because i there's usually a hair dryer mm-hmm, anywhere mm-hmm. i go um but yeah if i forget my round brush i'm so pissed because I have to dry with like a flat brush and then it looks weird. It's just, yeah, I only blow dry for the end result of my hair. Mm, I don't, okay. I yeah. don't care how fast it dries or doesn't dry. Do you think that is shaped by some kind of past beauty definition? Probably as um, long straight hair is also what I know. Uh, as a kid, I had long, straight, super dark brown hair. My mom did as like a teen and young adult. And um, I again, we come from a Native American background. So lots of the females in my family, like aunts and cousins, all wore our hair long and straight. And that was just, I don't recall that being um, like told to us. 
It just was. Um, I don't I don't honestly know where that comes from if it was like subliminal or it's just the way our parents did our hair when we were little and that's what we thought looked cutest so we all just kind of kept it up but I mean to this day most of us have long hair um lately I color mine vibrant colors but uh like yeah most of us have long dark hair to this day so what does it mean to decolonize decolonizing like for you know, Native Americans would wear a lot of braids mm-hmm. um, and white settlers didn't. So uh, colonizing is like emulating that culture or kind of like trying to assimilate. When I was reading line. about this, yeah. it, for me, it was like you for some reason or another, yeah. you hold what you hold white to be superior, to be beautiful, to be the best. And so in your mind, you define beauty as that. And you're trying to emulate, you're trying to assimilate in my mind. Like, for example, when I was growing up, I remember every night my mom would make me do like these nose, I call them nose stretches, but you would actually pinch the, the, the bridge of your nose up because your nose is made of cartilage. Yeah. And so she before bed, I would have to do it a hundred times because oh. uh, in her mind, she thought that I was stretching out the cartilage. And over time, I could have a taller nose because white people have a taller nose and that and white people are beautiful. So that is something I grew up thinking, OK, every time, like every night, if I pinch my nose a hundred times, eventually I'll have a tall nose and I'll be beautiful like a white person interesting yeah so that's one yeah. like even asians and their the shape of their eyes yep. the there creases. are surgeries now yep. that people have done to make their eyes look more western western or um like people especially people who are korean they mm. will have the surgery where to create eyelids because oh. again some some many people many people who are asian uh, but more so Koreans, yeah. they tend to, ju- they don't have an eyelid. They just open and then they close, but there's no crease. Oh. It's called a papibral crease. Okay. And so you can have surgery to actually create a crease there. Some people will actually, there are little plastic stickers that you can place on your eyelid to create a crease temporarily, like fake I eyelashes. You can those. have fake eyelash eyelid creases um because eyelids is a sign of beauty in the white culture um the other thing unless they're too droopy and then we have them cut off which is called uh i can't remember what that's called but i know a friend i think i have a friend who's done it well many older adults they're they have that extra skin on their Mm -hmm. eyes so then they'll get like um the the procedure to remove some of that too so again like the definition of beauty affects us at all ages, not and especially, yeah. you know, as we get older, we're even more concerned because of the wrinkles and the the dread, you know, yeah. the 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 saggy eyes. And the- it's funny because your culture is like trying to create or like people from Asia, like certain Asian cultures are trying to create eyelids and white people are trying to cut Remove off them. eyelids. <laughs> yeah. No one's yeah. happy. No. The yeah. Fuck? Uh, and then I was trying to think like when I was growing up, my mom would force me to drink a lot of milk because she thought in her mind it would make my skin whiter when she was pregnant. She drank a lot of milk as well because she thought that it would make my skin whiter, paler. Like, thanks for the lactose intolerance. (laughs) I'm not a baby cow. (laughs) But yeah, see, that's why I say like a lot of the things that we think like the the way we think about beauty i mean removing body hair you mentioned so like shaving the underarms mm-hmm. like yeah that was i'm pretty sure native americans weren't doing that and you mm-hmm. just told me that the vietnamese like mm-hmm. villages where your mom yeah. comes from they weren't doing that like 
So a uh, hair removal, the yeah. hair on our heads, hair. our shape of our eyes, pinching our noses. I mean, lips. Oh, yeah. Like today's culture in U.S. culture. I mean, it's all about fillers. And yeah. um, there's a new fad. I don't know if you heard, but the wavy lip, it is, in my opinion, outrageous. <gasps> oh, wait. Is this a thing where it looks like bumpy almost? In my opinion, yeah, there's it looks like- bumpy. Four or five waves yes. along the upper lip. It, I don't know why it's such a fad, but Ugh. you know, so it's just it's like creepy. It is. It but looks like I, an alien you know, face. Social, social society and mainstream yeah. America can shape the way we think about beauty as well. True. And so, again, for someone like me who don't doesn't have very many people growing up. I mean, I have my mom. Yeah. Maybe some friends, but like. I'm looking to TV commercials and I'm looking at magazines that I pass by at the grocery store trying to that, that, you know, all of those things affect how I think about beauty and it can either make so or break like, my confidence and self-esteem, you know, 90210. Was that an influence for you? No. Like, what are you watching on TV that was influencing? I think I watched a lot of Saved by the Bell. I almost said that, but I thought maybe that was Saved the Bell. You were too I young. watched uh, Gilmore Girls. I watched... Oh. Did those influence your ideas of beauty? Not necessarily. Okay. I think a lot of it had to do with uh, school, like the school kids and yeah. how they treated me. Um, then, you know, when you get to the age where you're like, oh, I have a crush on someone. I want that someone to like me. Then you start to, you know, talk with your girlfriends and then you start to figure out like, oh, you look at the cool kids. Find out what they think is yeah. cute. You find out, you know, you find out what they think is cute or you look at the cool girls yeah. and you try to dress like them or you try to do things like you them. Spray and, peroxide in your hair and yeah. you try to get a blonde and then you end up with an orange head. Ah, me too. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so. I did that. Hmm. I did that. Absolutely. My mom was furious. I came to the dinner table with like, <laughs> I can only imagine. I have dark brown hair and it has red undertones. Like I came to the dinner table with like I don't I don't even know how to describe it. Auburn hair. And my mom was like, What happened to your head? <laughs> I was gonna say, I was like, did your mom say any words or was she speechless? Yeah, I just walked out of my I had my own bathroom. My sister and I shared a bathroom and I just walked out and like I was like, oh, it's dinner time. OK, so I come out of the bathroom where I've been hiding with a bottle of peroxide and a blow dryer for the last hour. And she was like, what did you do to your hair? <laughs> I sprayed peroxide on it and then blow dried it. <laughs> she was like, why did you do that? <laughs> wow. Yeah, your mom's very I was like to you. lighten it. Well, I mean, what is she going to do? Like, I'm the one who had to fucking live oh, with it. No. Oh, that's not how my mom. Oh, my gosh. She would have been like, how dare you do this to our family? <laughs> <laughs> how dare you disgrace us with that? My you are embarrassing so our dramatic. entire family. She's, she's, my mom's not quite so dramatic <laughs> uh, on the family honor front. Um, she's much more like she will uh, kill you differently. With, like, her comments are much more like. I didn't see this one coming. Wham! Like, <laughs> like it was like, well, now you got to live with that head. So like, enjoy that. Like That's like her way of. Yeah. Like, no. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, that was, that was a good time. So, so then are there, so de I, you said decolonizing and yeah. like decolonizing, uh, from how I understand it is like moving away from Western ideals of beauty and maybe going back to your roots so like mm -hmm. for you it might be 
wearing less makeup. Like your hair is super long still, even though your mother doesn't see it that way. So it's like going back to maybe more traditional biologically or ethnically speaking ways of being beautiful, like what your ancestors might have considered beautiful, just being more natural, trying a lot less hard, like maybe not doing 3000 things to our hair and our face every day or every week or every month to be, quote, beautiful. Yeah. And I think part of that is a lot of growth has to happen internally for that. Yeah. You know, if you're I, really comfortable in your skin, right? Being comfortable in your Literal. own skin. And, and I think I mean, for me, I still struggle on a day to day basis. I am so focused on work. Work is so important for me. And for work, comfort is very important for me. Yeah. And so a lot of my beauty regimen is very simple because it revolves around my work work and my comfort level for work. But I think where I struggle the most with beauty is when I'm going to go out with my friends or when I might be going on a date because now I'm like, shit, I like I can't just show up on my scrubs with no makeup and my hair in a ponytail. Not for a date. You know, right. That's what I mean. So then that's where sometimes that internal struggle of like, what is beautiful and mm. how much makeup do I wear? How much do I do my hair? Like, how do I mm. feel about this dress on my body? Like, do I feel fat? Do I look fat? Do I, you know, like. Oh my goodness, maybe I shouldn't have eaten that second vegan burger. Cheeseburger. <laughs> vegan cheeseburger. <laughs> you know, like it's just like things like that. Like, like I think when it comes to beauty from a day-to-day perspective, um, I would hope that our listeners have a healthy look or perspective on beauty and that, you know, again, that whole concept of, you know, like only you can define what's beautiful to you and you have to have that, you know, confidence in yourself. But the times that I struggle the most is when I am, worry about what everyone else yes. is thinking. Yeah. Because when I'm at work, I'm so focused on my work. I don't care what I think and I'm comfortable. Like I'm like, hey, I don't care what I look like because I'm here to do a fucking job. Well, and you're kicking ass at your job and your job has absolutely nothing to do with how you look. Yes. But then, which is different yeah. if you're a runway model. Right. But when you're, you know, so that's why I say like for me. The, and when you're on a date, a, a bit of how you exactly. look. And that goes both ways. The guys are thinking this yeah. too. So I don't want to, I don't want to let any guys who might be listening think that we're not empathetic to oh, yeah. your beauty or grooming or, you know, your standards or like the ideas of what women think is handsome, attractive in men yeah. or what other men think is attractive in men. Fuck it. Yeah. But I think that's why like, so um, social situations mm-hmm. drive how I define my beauty. Like mm. for example, exercising right like I exercise because one I believe that it it helps me be healthy Mm -hmm. two it does help me with my strength of mind and you know and my whole perspective on strong body strong mind but then third is like I want to be attractive to (laughs) the opposite sex and I I want to like when I look good I feel good yeah. about myself. And so like I, I don't want it, it to come across as like, oh, I exercise because it's healthy and it helps me mentally. But there is a physical component to it. Like I want to look good and I yeah. want to be attractive to people uh, physically. Exercise. I, I really just like working out when I found it 
I found exercise like fitness, so to speak, like in my early 20s when I first got married and I really enjoyed it. Um, I just enjoy the sweat and the movement. And it's yeah, there's a lot of endorphins in too, your yeah. brain that go off and it's like you feel great accomplishing it. And yeah. then physical changes are a total bonus mm-hmm, side effect. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, functionality and all sorts of good benefits to exercising. But like, yeah, I'd be lying if I said I don't work out because I want to look good. Yeah. Like, like I want to look good. It's 50-50. It, it is. feels yeah. great, but I also look good. And look what I can do for my ass if I work out. Exactly. Yeah. So wanting to look good, you said as well, you're like, I want to look good. And, you know, like we all do, but that makes me think like, who's the ultimate judge on that? And like what we're kind of getting at in this episode is, it, you know, it should be us. It should like, be. And we should, I, I well, again, we don't want to should, right? But right. it's appropriate to think that a healthy mindset mm-hmm. would be that it would be you who makes the ultimate decision on what right. you feel is beautiful for you. Right. And how much of that, how much of our beauty routine and uh, whatnot is influenced by seeking external validation, mm-hmm. right? And like how much time do we spend in the mirror every day uh, trying to look beautiful or look good or just look pretty or look publicly presentable in my case sometimes <laughs> well I guess part of it is too you know we talked a lot about authenticity in a previous episode and it's about yeah. like you know when it comes to beauty I would like to think that I the way I carry myself externally I guess is always going to be aligned with with what I feel is true to me so mm-hmm. you know when I'm at work it's true to me to focus on comfort as opposed to being all dolled up but when I'm out with my friends or out on the town or out on a date, it's true to me to wear that extra makeup or to wear my eyelashes because when I wear my fake eyelashes, it makes me feel more confident or to curl my hair because I feel more beautiful, which uh, um, which then affects how I carry myself and how I speak and how I interact with other people. So, yeah. you know, and I, and I think the opposite is, tr- is true. If I were to wear my eyelashes and be all dolled up working in the clinic, I probably would be very un comfortable and I wouldn't be able to be my true self in that setting and Hmm. so I think it all comes for me I think beauty is 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 based on how authentic you are with yourself it also sounds to me like you reserve it for social situations and um maybe I'm pulling at a string that you haven't looked at yet but like do you do you have something against or is there some sort of unconscious bias about people who do go that whole nine yards at, in the beauty regime in the workplace? Like if you have students or residents or other people who are doing the whole thing and wearing the eyelashes and doing the full face of makeup and are, you know, level 10, like your social girlfriend's date night level of getting ready. Like you said, you would feel uncomfortable in the workplace. I think that's interesting. Oh, thing I to- feel uncomfortable because that's not true to me for yeah. my ladies who do the all like I mean, the whole nine yards but, and I'm like wow I, mean, I, I love that you do that and that I it's not true to you it's not true to me because for me comfort is more important I'd okay. rather sleep an extra 20 minutes than <laughs> to wake up and do that for my ladies who do that I'm gotcha. like I wish I did do that but I don't wish it enough to do it gotcha. kind of thing where I'm like that is awesome like if you can if, if that's what's true to you rock on yeah. for me 
I'd rather sleep that extra 20 minutes than to wake up early and do my hair and my makeup. Yeah. Because for <laughs> me, again, for me, it's just for my, my physical comfort. Like when I wear my eye, like I've worn my fake eyelashes oh to work before and it gets caught in my goggles <laughs> and um, I'll wear makeup and it rubs off on my masks and mm. I'll do my hair only to put it up in a ponytail and put it under a bonnet. So for me, yeah. the effort of putting makeup and hair is not worth it. It's lost. Correct. But for anybody else, like again, if it's authentic to you, like rock on, no judgment here. Yeah. I don't have that patience with myself to do that because for me, I feel like my effort is just wasted because I end up being covering everything up with a mask, a bonnet and I'm physically not comfortable. And that's what I mean by comfortable. I mean, I physically want to be comfortable when I'm working because I'm sweating and I'm so as much as people can be shamed for not putting in enough effort. It just made me think of there are instances where people are shamed for being perceived as putting in too much effort. That's a very good point. And you know, anybody who's shaming somebody for how they look, how much effort they are or aren't putting into something or what they're wearing or how they look, how their hair is that day, et cetera. it, it, It is always the person who's dishing that out. It's an insecurity within them. But like, it just made me think of how that that does have that it's a double-edged sword you're either putting in too much Uh effort or not enough so maybe so it's funny because when you say that i don't shame other people for dressing up when i see other people dressed up i'm like i shame myself for not dressing up (laughs) i might love beating yourself up though we we all know but that's part of it too like i'm like no, I actually, you know, it's a very good question that you asked because it may have come off that way. But then I'm like, no, I actually shame myself because I'm like, maybe I should be dressing up you're for You're noticing work. and you're like, damn, I didn't need those 15 minutes of sleep. I know. I combed my hair. But you're right. Like that there is that whole like, let's not shame each other for yeah. being authentic. Honestly. Is really what I'm like, getting Just at. let people show up the way they're going to show but, up every day but then, and hold some space for yeah. yourself to show up yeah, the way that's you're going to I was up. just going to say, I was like, but maybe take it one step further and don't shame yourself for yeah. not doing what other people are doing like if it's authentic to you then then that's fine like for me i'm like like i might wake up on my day four hair and be like should i wash this (laughs) and then i'm like i think i stayed in bed 20 minutes too long to really like wash my hair and dry it and go to work looking like a human so nope it's gonna be dirty figure out a way to make it look less dirty yeah Mm. so the you also said like when i look good i feel good and i i feel that I, I think I've said that. I probably said that on here. I don't know. I've said that to people. It's like, I don't know. I don't put on airs for other people to pay me compliments or tell me I look good at work. I don't care what anybody at work thinks about the way I look. Um, but I definitely feel the whole, and I think a lot of people would relate that they, when they look good or when they feel they look good, when they know they're they're you're just confident in the way you're moving through your space that day. And like, whether it's at work or at the grocery store or out on a date, like if you're enjoying what you've got going on physically, you're going to interact with the world differently, interact. And you're going to exude that mm-hmm, confidence mm-hmm. a little bit differently. Like I'll leave the house, like when it gets humid in Arizona, which is a pretty short window of time right in the year where it's humid here and I'll leave the house and you know the air conditioning's been running and it's like my hair looks great you walk outside it's monsoon season maybe it's misty or you get a little sprinkled on a couple hours goes by in the morning at work and I make my first trip to like the restroom and I get a glimpse of myself in the mirror and I'm like oh my god why didn't anyone tell me my hair looked like that (laughs) because no one notices yeah 
everybody else cares a lot fucking less than we do. Mm, It's like the other thing I like to try to remember. It's like, oh my gosh, no one said anything. And then I'm like, well, no one really cares. I'm the one who cares. That's what I like to remind myself when I have a big fat pimple on my face. That no one cares? Yeah. I'm like, nobody cares about this pimple as much as I do. So maybe I shouldn't. Uh, It was really cute. Or a mole. (laughs) A big honking mole. Yeah. Well, at least it wasn't a hairy mole. Oh, goodness gracious. Um, So like more on the whole what we think and what who should be the ultimate judge of like what we actually feel like and look like you know uh, being us bouncing back to social media and i'm really glad i didn't grow up mm-hmm. with the internet the way it is today cuz i think kids have a new set of or young adults in general i mean it's not to say it doesn't affect adults it adults to some degree and at some conscious it and does. subconscious level and it's like I mean, I feel for kids, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know how I would feel about having a daughter who was between the ages of like 10 and 15 in the last few years, like just watching the images and then Photoshop, the filters. I mean, the Photoshop stuff has been brought to light by a lot of like magazines who are, you know, artists or models and celebrities who refuse to let their photos be altered these days, which is admirable in my opinion i mean touch-ups are one thing but like completely changing the shape of someone's body making their oh, legs yeah. longer making their waist smaller making their neck disappear and their neck longer and their arm this and i mean i think that's that there's that f- i love her to death mariah carey she is amazing but there's that one album cover where she looks insanely long-legged and just barbie doll like where it's like okay this is you Mm. (laughs) like it used to be but like photoshop and then the filters filters on instagram filters on snapchat like i have some people online i know them in real life but i I mean i have friends that i never see a photo of them online that isn't filtered like it's either taken with a filter or it's filtered and then it's touched up later like I don't have Facetune. I've never had Facetune. I don't really know what it's about, but apparently it's a very addictive thing. And people like, I think it gets to the point where people have a hard time accepting what their face actually looks like. Oh my gosh, I haven't even heard about this. I know, like with Snapchat, there's tons of filters, and that's why a lot of people like Snapchat because those all of those filters smooth your face and uh, darken they, your eyelashes. They shrink and, your face by like yes. a third. Yeah. So, but I. I don't have time for that. <laughs> it's so weird. It completely like takes away like cheek. Yeah. It's like you just go straight from like nose to chin. It's a really weird thing that happens on those filters. Like everyone's head gets really small. Mm. And yeah, the dog filters and the whatever, all the crazy little filters that are made to make you look like an anime or some sort of like cartoon character. Like that's not your face. And just I, I, I'm concerned for I'm genuinely concerned for the people who never take a photo that's not filtered because it's heartbreaking to me to think that you might look in the mirror and truly not enjoy what you're seeing. Well, that and also like for people who don't like to take pictures, period, as well, like I think because of social media and because of all of these mechanisms that are put in place where it kind of affects the way you see yourself, mm-hmm. right? You never really see yourself. And and that's the sad part too. And, or you never want to see yourself. That yeah. goes, you know, and, and that there's, there's something that caused you to feel that way. But whether you are aware of it or not. And I guess like one of the things about this episode is just like awareness yeah. of how you feel, 
how you define beauty and being aware of all of the the different elements in your life, past and current, that are affecting the way you define beauty mm-hmm. is really important. Awareness and, you know, it's just it's a hard thing, too, because even during this episode, I'm realizing, you know, I'm sharing all these things that have that have played a role in how I define beauty. And I'm not proud of it. I'm glad that I'm at a place where maybe I can laugh about it. But at I some point or another, I be ashamed about either. No, it's just your experience. It is. Um, but that's part of it, too. Right. There might be some people out there that are ashamed about it or they hide the fact that they care about certain things when mm-hmm. maybe like society says they shouldn't care about it or vice versa. Mm-hmm. And, and and to that point, this podcast is not to tell you what to care yeah, about and no. what not to care about. Expressing yourself in your most authentic form mm-hmm. to use buzzwords. Sorry, <laughs> but like truly expressing yourself in your most authentic form, like what feels real and what feels true to you and taking a few minutes to go, what do I consider to be beautiful and why do I consider this to be beautiful and where does it come from? Does that still resonate with me today? Yeah, does it align with me and who I am and who I want to be? And who I am today. Mm-hmm. And maybe like what you used to think was beautiful, like I mean, I used to wear makeup differently than I do today. Um, I think I have different quote standards as to what I feel is like workday makeup, like, you know, what mm-hmm. I can do in like 10 minutes or less. And then what I can, what I'll do for like a date, you know, and ramp it up a bit and like really whatever. Uh, kind of like you said, you know, there's just different levels of like getting ready, like different levels of effort. Yeah, <laughs> going kidding. to the grocery store yeah. requires about the littlest, like the least amount of effort. Thank God for masks. You can like yeah. literally put makeup on one third of your face. And just, like, <laughs> draw in some eyebrows and a little eyeliner and just like go. Um, and then cover the rest up with a mask. I mean, that's my routine. <laughs> I don't even I don't even do a third of my face. <laughs> I'm so lazy. I, you don't also barely go to the grocery store. I do. So what's a grocery store? Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> are, there, are those near me? Do I? <laughs> what are they again? Wow. Mind blowing. Yeah. Uh, I run into people at the grocery store. It's so annoying. Well, thank goodness we wear masks because I like look down and I hope nobody recognizes me. Are you wearing two different shoes? Funny. <laughs> You're funny. Two different socks. You have worn two different shoes and two different socks. On hey, at least I was wearing shoes. <laughs> um, oh, the last thing I wanted to talk about, FYI, was the Kardashians. Oh. In the social media realm. And like, what a weird, what a weird impression they've made on beauty. And I know one of them has like a makeup line and mm-hmm. they're always touting things like detox teas and waist trimmers or cinchers or I don't know. They're like corsets. They're always touting these weird things to like visit and the, the amount of plastic surgery that's happening and like the level of makeup, the amount of makeup that they're wearing to completely change the way their face appears. Like that stuff has really interesting reach in both men and women and what they see as beautiful. What's also contributing to a lot of body issues. Yeah. Body issues, beauty issues, right? Yeah. What's uh, real? What's not? Mm-hmm. And most of that's not. Yeah. I saw, I, I'm not hating on them. I barely, I've never watched the show. I, I have very little, um, like, uh, I don't know how I know things about the Kardashians. I was going to say, I was like, I actually know nothing. I, I, I don't know. But you that see I don't stuff. Know, but it's impossible I see their not name. to. I see 
their makeup line. You suddenly I know which how... one has a new kid. Right. Which one's um, getting a divorce now this year? Who's on their third or fourth divorce? Kim's on like know. third or fourth divorce or something. I don't even know. Oh. I saw is a she, video. Is she not married to Kanye? I think they're splitting. Oh, I see, think. I'm not I say really that because I'm pretty sure, sure I saw a headline. Uh, but I don't really follow them so i don't really know <laughs> but I, I don't either i One saw of a video sisters of, has a makeup line right One of, i don't know i, I think yeah kendall i don't know kendall kylie I, I get them all confused i don't know kim i saw a video of her talking the other day and she was talking i think to her mother <laughs> and there was just there was just so much like filler or botox and like stuff so much stuff in her face in this particular clip of her talking to her mom that it was almost funny because she could barely enunciate the words she was saying like her upper lip didn't really move oh my it was so like her whole upper lip was just so plump and kind of like out there it didn't really move when she was speaking and I was like and she was a little mumbly as a side effect and I just I just like chuckled and quickly scrolled or clicked off of whatever it was like I was just like what is happening stop doing this to your face but then I just I have to assume that they're also victims at, at some level of chasing the dragon kind of like with their beauty and what they see in the mirror. And I'm sure what they're looking at is different than what I'm seeing when I see them. Like, so part of me has empathy for it, but it's so wild to see their impact. And like one of them has a lip kit. Yeah, that like people gobble up and buy out and so that's that's the part that i get a little uncomfortable about because they have such a large role mm -hmm. in this definition of beauty and they have such a great opportunity to really influence a lot of people and say you can be beautiful the way exactly. you are exactly and yet they're using it in different ways that maybe I'm not as agreeable, amenable to, I guess. I don't know yeah. what the right word is. But I mean, I'm most people as... don't have hundreds of thousands of dollars right. to throw up plastic surgery to completely alter their right. body. And so I don't really know what they do. I don't follow them because I don't. <laughs> it's not like their yeah. their definition of beauty and how they're shaping beauty is it doesn't resonate with me. And so that's why I'm like, mm, I'm going to stay out of that yeah it's just a really interesting thing and when I see people trying to look like that I'm like be careful that's an unattainable goal like just try to look like you but that's hard right it is because you see these people who are beautiful and other people see them as beautiful or what you, what you're being right, told is right. beautiful. So that's why I say like what you think right. is beautiful. You think is beautiful because other people keep saying it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And you're thinking, well, if they think it's beautiful, maybe I should think it's beautiful. Yeah, and like, then oh, I if guess that's, that's beautiful, beautiful and if that's getting attention, maybe, you know, and apparently that's getting attention because it's valuable. I want to be valuable. Maybe I need to work towards that. And yeah. so it's this like big loop and 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 that's the hard part like for me it's the hard part of drowning out all of that extra noise and trying to figure out like what what is it that makes you feel comfortable in your own skin mm -hmm. yeah i mean and how 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 are the the things you've 
feel are beautiful or the things you think are beautiful or the things you see as beautiful. And when you see yourself as beautiful or you don't see yourself as beautiful, how is that affecting your relationships to the people around you? Like when girls and women get together, how much envy is there between certain women over looks or shape or size? The You know what I mean? Like the size of your butt, the size of your waist, the size of your boobs. Oh my God, boob jobs. I mean, talk about plastic surgery. Like I live in Scottsdale for the last 14 years. <laughs> it's... Uh, I don't get fake nails like I don't get manicures like my nails are well kept to clean and trim and like nice and like I actually had a remark from a guy I dated a little bit last year who like the first time he saw my fingernails he was like wow they're yours <laughs> I was like just like everything else on me <laughs> like, <laughs> I, was, I just I just find it funny as a girl who like I'm taller fairly thin like I'm curvier now than I probably ever have been or not ever. I'm probably like at my curviest, I should say. And like I've gotten scrawnier and less scrawny is kind of like how my shape has fluctuated. And I'm curvier in my hips. Like I've always been small chested and had curvier hips. And like but something in me has never, ever desired to have big boobs. Like I have never looked at a picture of someone with boobs and been like, damn, that would be nice. I've just, I, I don't know what it is in me there, but you look around Scottsdale and that's the aesthetic. Like that's just what people do here. It's the boobs, the lips, the lashes, the brows, the, you know what I mean? It's, it's like a, a look from like the boobs up. Um, it's interesting. It's interesting to walk around as, you know, you in a world that's constantly trying to change themselves to be different. I kind of would like bigger boobs, <laughs> but you know, it's Which also is funny because you're not small chested. You're like a literal small person and they're very appropriate for your body. I'd like them to be a little bit bigger to match my butt and my waist, like my waist ratio. You see, know, and that's my how waist you see yeah. you, mm -hmm. but that's not how the rest of us <laughs> would see you. Right? But that's what I mean. Like, you know, and, and I think like, again, my There's old, some ideal you're chasing. Yeah, yeah. That ideal is something that I learned in pageantry. And oh, so we uh, definitely need yeah. to talk about your pageant. <laughs> well, we don't days. have to talk much about it, but, uh, you know, how it influences beauty. Oh, and, yeah. yeah. Um, one of the reasons why I went into pageantry is there's many reasons why scholarships, of course. Yeah. Yeah. The scholarships for sure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but you know, like I think part of it was you pageants, you know, like they celebrate beauty. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's that, like, there's that desire to want to be beautiful and that external validation that you get when you've been recognized as someone who is beautiful. Um, you also see that the beauty queens that have those crowns, like they are in front of people where they can actually have a platform to speak mm -hmm. on things that matter or hope to make a difference. Right. And so, um, you know, growing up, you see these beauty queens and they get to travel the world and they get to speak about important things and you and they're admired by people and yeah. and you want that. Right. And so, like, I, I did pageantry one because the pageants that I did were cultural pageants that kind of celebrated Asian culture. And so one, it was a great way for me to kind of get to know other girls that were Asian because I grew up in a 
in a high school that was like there was only three people that were Asian in my high school. Most of it, most of the people in my high school were white. Wow. And so, I mean, in my high school is a pretty big high school. We had about twenty two hundred students. Okay. And I of the twenty two hundred, I was one of three Asians. So that's I didn't all really, classes. That's not even just your class. That's freshman through senior year. Wow. And so it's just like I didn't really have much of an Asian exposure. When you say Asian, you mean even like South Asian, like yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it's, you know, so like I did pageants because one, it was a great way for me to kind of connect back with my Asian culture and meet other people that were kind of like me, right? Physically like me or maybe were taught some of the cultural ideals and Did you traditions. teach all these girls in pageants how to shave their legs? <laughs> Funny. <laughs> um, You're like, have no. you guys heard? <laughs> and they were like, we, yes, Miley, yeah. we know how to shave They actually taught legs. me. <laughs> <laughs> they taught me how to properly shave. No, it's just, um, so like, I... And part of it was also like I was shy. So I thought that maybe going into pageants, it would help me speak up more. It put me in positions to learn how to publicly speak and kind of, you know, and then that that ability to potentially make a difference, to have a platform where you could talk about what's important to you, what's important to the community, speak on behalf of other people, be a voice for someone was really attractive. And it's interesting because it, it promotes all those things you're saying, like helps you come out of your shell and sort of like um, build on these skills. But, but at the same time, it but, belittles you almost. Exactly. And, like and, and at pushes the same you time, down. at the same time, you also buy into or you participate in this uh-huh. this environment where you can't get to those things until you've look this way correct exactly Eat the fucking cabbage mm-hmm. soup and enjoy yep. it and and it's funny because one of my first pageants that i did the coach Ugh. encouraged us to do the cabbage soup so that we would learn like uh, that so that so that we would lose weight mm-hmm. and it was so hard for me because and and i struggle <laughs> with pageantry because you you your your mind gets warped into like do i need to do this in order to win this so that i could get that platform to talk what about things that i want to talk about mm-hmm I still struggle to it to like with that. I still struggle with it to this day. And even though like I serve as a pageant coach Mm -hmm. for some of the pageants around Arizona, I still try to focus more on the public skills or the public speaking skills that you can develop and um, learning about your culture. But sometimes it's hard for me to really talk about, hey, you know, let's work on style and makeup and hair and make sure you do your nails and make sure you shave yeah you know it's just that's the part i struggle with the pageantry um but pageantry i mean i placed in many pageants and it did provide that platform for me to uh I mean, travel look how to you different organizations well you are of course <laughs> well, you did it really i mean it it opened the doors up to me being able to network with a lot of organizations because, mm-hmm. you know, when they hear that you are Miss So-and-so, they're like, okay, well, since you're Miss So-and-so, why don't you come and speak to our people about this? Mm-hmm. Whereas without that title, I wouldn't have had that opportunity to go speak on this to those people, you Absolutely. know? And so it's kind of like you really have to keep yourself in check. Yeah. And it's a double-edged sword. It it's is. like if I want this, I have to forego yeah. like or really – yeah, really dial into why I'm doing this and my purpose and not let not get caught up in the superficial aspect mm-hmm. of it all. Although I recognize that is one of Part the things of I'm being quote graded on. Yeah. 
um, it is not the most important part. So yeah, that's interesting. So that's why like when it comes to pageantry, I, I struggle because it's not that I'm defending how great pageantries are. I'm a player in it, Mm -hmm. but I also recognize that you can have like, you can make it the way you want it. If I guess what I'm trying to say is like, you can, you can take extract what you need from it. And well, see, you know, like there's that Spider-Man quote about how like, no, no, you don't know the Spider-Man <laughs> quote about Why do how, you know a Spider-Man? Quote? No, there's that Spider-Man quote that came from uncle Ben uh, about like, you know, um, let me look up that power. When you say Uncle Ben, I think of rice. <laughs> <laughs> Is Uncle Ben a character in Spider-Man? I don't know. Yeah, he's Uncle Ben's. He's 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 Spider-Man's uncle. And he says, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. He's the one that said that. Okay. And so, like, I think about how there's a lot, you know, pageantry was a way for me to get that power or that position to speak about important things. And... Sometimes you have to kind of play that game to get to where you want to be. And I recognize that I had to buy into that. But part of it was like it was, you know, to be honest, like it was fun to learn about makeup. It was fun to do my hair. And it is fun to look beautiful and feel beautiful. And then when you're in front of people and you can actually take advantage of that power and that responsibility and really do good with it. Right. So like I'm able, it opened a lot of doors for me to go Mm -hmm. into different organizations, reach young girls or reach youth, uh, you know, struggling youth or go to a cancer center and talk about how, uh, being, uh, you know, being a dental provider, it has helped me, you know, it's just, I think as you're saying this, I'm thinking we all, we all take part or our participants, like you said, in some version of pageantry regularly, whether it's going out on dates, going out with your girlfriends, how you present at work. We're all participating in some level of pageantry, right? We're all presenting ourselves in a certain way and parading around in a certain way. And sometimes it is more and less effort. Um, I think the, the big take one of the big takeaways for me or f- that I hope people are hearing is like beyond what why where does this come from is like how much of my self-worth am I putting into my looks and I'm not less of a person because I I'm not a 10 in everyone's eyes like I get to be a 10 in my eyes and some days maybe I'm an eight and a half but uh that doesn't mean I'm less of a person I'm not worth any less because my hair looks like a hot mess today. Or maybe because it's a hot mess, you are a 10. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Bedhead. There's no better look than bedhead. Mm-hmm. But like you don't wear your eyelashes doesn't make you less of a person. No, it doesn't. So I think that's important to remind yourself when you're feeling, even if you're like, damn, I didn't put in much effort today. This is all I had. It's where I'm at. I'm still you know, worthy of love and affection and all of the good things the universe has for me. I like that. We should end with that. I like it. I'm also going to fact check you on that quote. How dare you? You don't <laughs> trust me? I pulled it up right here. Did it originate with this movie? Like, was oh, I this... don't know if it came from the movie. Okay, but the movie exactly. Made it, the movie made it popular. I've heard the quote, but I would not have attributed it to Spider-Man. I would assume it's like a Teddy Roosevelt quote. <laughs> 
Like, I'm pretty sure it's like a presidential quote. <laughs> we're searching. We're searching. It all says Spider-Man. Original author. <laughs> Stan Lee, the creator of Spider-Man. That's Stan Lee's quote. Yeah, but he said it through Spider-Man. Yeah, I know who Stan Lee is, but I, I'm saying it in shock and awe. Like, I swear I would, I, like, I would have put my life on it probably that that was, like, oh, did not originate on. with Marvel. President Theodore Roosevelt. Oh, I was fucking right! <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! Oh, my God. No, hold on. Let me read it again. No, never mind. Teddy used it in his speech, but they believe it came from Voltaire. What's the phrase? With great power comes great responsibility. Oh, there we go. But Voltaire in in 1778, Voltaire had had written a letter in French, and when you translate that letter, it goes. Uh, he said something about how so you know people must consider that great responsibility follows inseparably from great power, and so people like Winston Churchill, Teddy Roosevelt, Franklin Roosevelt, they have taken that and turned it into. Great power comes great responsibility. I'm taking this as a W for my team. <laughs> okay, I'll give it to you. But hey, I'm pretty sure most of our listeners would agree with me that when they as first heard like, that quote, don't you know they this thought Spider-Man. Spider-Man. I'm like, the whole time I was like, this did not come from Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Oh, it doesn't make it any less great of a quote. Exactly. And that is the truth, babe. Take that. It'll be on an Instagram post soon, folks. <laughs> well, from our listeners, we're gonna I quiz. Would love we're gonna to- put a pop quiz up. It'll be A through D. I'm gonna list off a bunch of people who oh, you yes. think said it. And then I want our listeners to pick Spider Man. Yeah. And if you've listened to the podcast, then I'll I'll know because you'll pick the wrong answer. <laughs> it came from Miley and Mandy at the main dish. <laughs> One of our many quotes. But from our listeners, I would love to hear a little bit about what makes them feel beautiful? And I'd like to know where your standards of beauty come from. I don't even like saying the phrase standards of beauty, but I'd like to know where your ideas of beauty come from. Like who shaped them? Um, and have you, as you know, as you've grown into your adult self, have you unshaped them? And how have you transformed? How has your idea of beauty changed? Yeah. So please share your comments and your thoughts on our podcast page wherever you listen we are on instagram Mm -hmm. at the main dish podcast we are on facebook at the main dish pod and on twitter at the main dish pod i posted i did post your facial your your brightening facial with the green yellow goo all over your face on twitter didn't Mm. get any hits but i put it up there and there's also the ig post of the whole mask being applied (laughs) it's crazy Mm. I was like, why does it have to go right on your eye? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Well, we like to keep it exciting. Oh, my God. It was I (laughs) I was so uncomfortable watching it (laughs) because it just I don't know. I'm not like a claustrophobic person, but for some reason, watching other people go through that kind of freaked me out. I was like, I don't know if I could do that. Oh, did you not? I didn't have that done. No. Oh, Mm -mm. Yeah, it was really refreshing. The The mask was so cold 
that it was cooling to my face. I really enjoyed it. It was really relaxing. Mm. Yeah, no, I didn't. I had enzymes. I had something else done. Oh, okay. I, my no, skin's I mean, different Debbie, than yours. I mean, Debbie, Debbie reminded, like, yeah. she told me, she's like, this is going to go over your eyes. Is that okay? I'm oh, like, yeah. Yeah, bring it on. It's in the girl. video, but you hear her say that, but you, I don't think anyone expects. And then she plops it right what? down on my eyeball. <laughs> what happens? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Anyways. Oh. It made me feel refreshed, which then in turn made me feel beautiful. So I love it. I love it. Done. Self-care. Self-care is beautiful. Yeah. Self-care, taking care of what's on your insides and, Mm -hmm. you know, your outsides will will reflect that. Awesome. Well, it was always a pleasure, as always, being with you all tonight. And we uh, will talk with you soon next week. Have a great week. Love you. Love you too.